Hello, and welcome to the Heaven Bound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we're opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. We're glad to have you with us today. This month, what we're looking at is kind of building some podcasts off of our theme. Our theme this year is Bringing the Best. And so we want to talk about getting better in 2024. As a new year begins, a lot of people run through different resolutions. They look at their life, and they're not really happy where they're at. Uh, that's one of the best incentives to change. You look in that mirror and think, ooh, that doesn't look good. <laughs> so you start a weight or an exercise program. You look in your bank account, and you think, wow, we don't have any money. So you start some financial goals. Well, the same is true of us spiritually. And, and so as we kind of wrap this around our theme of bringing the best, we're looking at different layers in which we can be better and improve ourselves this year. Last time we talked about our attitude and, and that really is so much of what we do. This very theme of bringing the best really represents an attitude. You change the inside, you'll change the outside. A lot of folks start the wrong direction. They want to change the outside, and until you change that inside, it's not going to last very long. You always have to start on the inside, and that was the attitude. Well, today what we want to talk about is just another layer in this idea of getting better in 2024, and that is we want to talk about making better connections in the congregation. Our relationships with one another is so important with that. And so let's begin in the book of Acts in chapter 9 where we read about Saul of Tarsus, or Apostle Paul as we know him later on. He had just been baptized, and he comes to Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 9, verse 26, when he came to Jerusalem, he's trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. And of course, they, they had real reasons to be afraid of him. Earlier, he'd been in Jerusalem, and he'd been arresting people, taking them to the Jewish hierarchy, and having people put to death. And so, uh, is he an imposter? Is he a spy? Or is he truly one of us? There, there was some genuine concern there on their part. But that little expression there, he was trying to associate with the disciples. I want to build upon that and talk about that. Jason, what is the value of having a congregation? Yeah, we spend a lot of 2023 talking about a K word that uh, is not an English word. We we know it as fellowship, but going all the way back to our spring gospel meeting last year, we talked a lot about koinonia, fellowship. And that has just a deep, deep biblical uh, root system. Uh, you know, you're talking about Saul coming to Jerusalem, one of the saints who was there, uh, a, a pillar of the church in Jerusalem was the Apostle John. John talks a lot about fellowship, and I believe one of the basic reasons that Saul wanted to be a part of that church was exactly what John is describing. Describing in First John chapter 1, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Saul, based on what he had been taught by Ananias, believed, and rightly so, that he now had fellowship, not only with the Father, but with the Lord, Jesus Christ. 
the Christ. But from the pages of the book of Acts all the way through the rest of the New Testament, it is not just establish a relationship personally between you and God. It is a call to have fellowship with those who have that vertical fellowship with God. God knows we need that. God knows that it is good for us. It helps us to grow. It helps us to be plugged into the lives of others so that we make a difference. And of course, the the most natural, tangible expression of that is the life of a local church. You know, the COVID incident or the COVID, whatever you want to call it, uh, <laughs> presented a lot of new thoughts and new dilemmas for a lot of churches. And for a while, you know, we could not worship together and, and we had to worship via the live stream or videos. And a lot of people never came out of that. Yeah. A lot of people stayed there. A lot of people really said, I kind of like that. You know, I can just get my cup of coffee, be in my jammies, and just flip the TV or my laptop on and do do a little worship, and that's just the way it's going to be. And in some mainline churches today, they have just crippled themselves because of that. And there have been books and books written now about this concept of uh, where we are today because of what happened during COVID. There's a lot of places that are just having to redefine themselves because people no longer want to assemble. They like just this in-house, by myself, just me and my family type of worship. So what about all that? Yeah. Um, I mean, why, why do I need you? Why do you need me? Why do we need each other? Well, in your earliest comment, uh, right after we hit record, you used, I think, the key phrase. You said, one another. And I just entered into some Bible software while you were talking. Uh, just that phrase, one another, shows up 150 times in the Bible. 91 of those times is just in the New Testament. In fact, 54 times, more than a third of the times that phrase is used one another, it's in the epistles, these instructions to the local church. One another is one of the key phrases in all of the Bible. Let me just run down the briefest of lists here. We are called to welcome one another, care for one another, live in harmony with one another, instruct one another, agree with one another, bear one another's burdens, be kind to one another, submit to one another, encourage one another, exhort one another, pray for one another, show hospitality to one another. The one that is used more than any other is simply love one another, I don't know how we can live out that directive that is all over the pages of the New Testament if we stay in our living room staring at a television screen. That's it. That's it exactly. And, you know, again, it's like that movie theater concept. You you go to a movie theater and you, you 
hope that no one sits in the same row you sit <laughs> and you're going to watch that movie. You're not going to talk to anybody because I don't know these people. As soon as the movie's over, I'm going home. Uh, I have no connection to them. I don't know them. I really don't care about them. All I'm thinking about is just me and that movie. And that's uh, not the biblical concept of fellowship. Uh, other times that word fellowship, koinia, is translated. Sometimes it's used as sharing. Sometimes it's partner or partnership. It's the idea of engaging with someone else. Right. And so whether we talk about a business partnership, uh, uh, James and John were partners in fishing, the Bible says in the gospel, uh, whether we're partners in some enterprise or here even in the gospel as we think about worshiping God. We are doing things together. And that, that's the concept. And so one of the reasons why God developed the concept of the church, save people, community of believers, is that we need each other. Uh, alone, we're vulnerable. Alone, we get weak. Uh, you, you've seen those discovery shows, and there's that lion in Africa hiding in the weeds, and there's a big herd of antelope. He just doesn't run out there to the herd of antelope. He waits till that that herd shifts, and there's one antelope who doesn't pay attention. That's the one that becomes lunch. And so together, there's a sense of strength. Uh, we encourage one another. I, I like Second Corinthians 7, where... The Apostle Paul says, for even when we came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. We were afflicted on every side, conflicts without and fears within. We just say he's troubled every way you can look at. Verse 6 says, but God who comforts the depressed comforted us by the coming of Titus. God didn't take away his problems. God didn't send an angel. He sent a brother in Christ. And so when we have that fellowship, that connection, it gives us encouragement. The world beats us up. I mean, after a full week of work and after we've struggled with things out there and we hear all that stuff on the news, we just get discouraged and down and we need to come in and see the smiles of other folks who are serious about going to heaven. There's encouragement there. Yeah, there are blessings and benefits that come our way as a result, but it is also good for us. It, it It's like the parent that tells the toddler or the the little child, I, I know that you would rather have more hamburger and chocolate, but you need some vegetables, right? Fellowship is good for us. I, I would just throw out there because I, I don't know of any three realms where our own self-centeredness, selfishness gets exposed more clearly than in a marriage when you have kids and you're a part of a local church. I, I mean, maybe there is something that I'm missing, but I, I would suggest those three relationships will more quickly and transparently reveal, okay, here are some areas I need to grow up. I'm I'm prone to be selfish here. I'm prone to be self-seeking here. You get married and you will have that exposed. You you have children and that will be exposed a little more. You live in community with brothers and sisters in Christ who are different from you, have a different way of looking at the world, but you're united in the name of Jesus. Those things there's not only blessings that come our way 
but they are good for our sanctification and growth and maturity. So, so I would make a little list of, of why do I need you? Why do you need me? Why do we need the local congregation? We need it for encouragement, as yeah. we just said. We need it as living examples among us. Uh, Paul would talk about to young man Timothy, be thou an example, he says, among the believers. And so, so here comes this young disciple in there. He sees a Christian who's 80 years old. And maybe that Christian kind of walks slowly and has all kinds of health issues. But there he is. What an encouragement. What an example there is. What wisdom runs through that man's veins and, and mind as he has. But, but also it gives us opportunities. Opportunities to serve one another, to help one another, uh, to, the, to be there for each other. We, we need that. Again, that pulls us away from being a selfish person. And then, of course, just the teaching. Uh, when we sit in the Bible class, when we sit in worship and we hear others teaching, we, we, we hear perspectives. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Here's verses. Oh, I, I forgot about that verse. And, and, and we just, our growth pattern just explodes as we are with one another and consider those things. Now, another passage that I want to share with you is here in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, uh, verses 22 through 25. Three times he uses this phrase, let us, in the New American Standard. Let us draw near, he says, with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now 24 and 25, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. You can't do that when you're watching the TVs at home. You have to be around one another. Verse 25, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see that day drawing near. Again, the great hope and example that we need one another, we stand upon the shoulders of each other. And that helps us to keep going when we're discouraged, when things are dark, when we're troubled, that God's people are there and they're going to be a help for me. Yeah, the the word that comes to my mind as you describe that is accountability. It, you know, you mentioned the encouragement, the teaching earlier, but there is also accountability here. I think of Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5, where he calls those disciples in verse 12, we ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Their their work is watching out for your souls, right? And so he calls them to be submissive, to be respectful, to be at peace among themselves. And then he talks about the kingdom work that they themselves can be a part of, right? We urge you, brothers and sisters, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. That That is not simply the work of preachers or teachers or shepherds. That's the work of the local church. That's one another work. And, and sometimes I can be the admonisher, the encourager, the helper. Sometimes I'm the one who is idle or faint-hearted or weak and I need an admonisher or an encourager or a helper, right? Accountability is something that we 
need. My my youngest daughter is on a little bit of a, a an early morning walking kick here at the beginning of the year. She's got a, a good streak going, and she asked me last week if I would go out with her early one morning on, on a walk, and um, I got up a little earlier than she did because I wanted to warm up with some coffee because looking at the the temperature outside, it was cold. And I'm going to tell you right now, if I knew that she wasn't going to walk into the kitchen ready to go, I would not have put on my walking shoes. It was too cold outside, right? But I knew that she was going to be ready. I knew she was going to be looking for me. I knew she wanted me to go with her. That's why I went. And that is one of the practical powerful things of being a part of a local church. There are people who are depending on me, people who are looking for me. They make a difference in my life, and I make a difference in theirs. You know, we often talk about peer pressure, and usually when we hear that phrase, we think about in the negative way, about maybe a young person being pulled away to do some things he shouldn't be doing. But there's a positive side to peer pressure. Yeah. And, and that positive side is is pulling me up to be doing some things I should be doing. Uh, you know, I could be that person that, that needs to be doing more. And here's another Christian and say, hey, why don't you go with me and we're going to go visit this person? Or, hey, how about you and I having a, a Bible study together in the mornings before we go to work? And, and that pulls us up to getting us more involved as we should be. Now, when we think about uh, this this idea of getting better, connecting with the congregation, yeah. let's talk for a moment about how this isn't done, and then let's flip it over and talk about how we should do it. All right. And so one of the ways it isn't done is by always keeping uh, a wall around myself, yeah. you know, keeping distant and not letting anybody in my life. You know, some people are private, but some people are so private, you know nothing about them. And they just relish in that idea that I'm not going to tell you anything about what's going on in my life. And that's sad because there's times we need people to pray for us. There's times we need people there to be for us. And so one of the negative ways of not connecting is just building a wall around yourself and being content that I'm just not going to let anybody know anything about me. And that, that just, you know, just destroys all these passages we've just talked yeah. about. Walking in, not saying hi, not greeting, not welcoming anyone, just going to the same seat that I always sit in, and as soon as the amen is said, making a beeline for the parking lot. That is not a way to build these sorts of connections. Now, some people, the, the tires are smoking before the amen is said. I mean, that, <laughs> now, now, we understand there's times you got you, things going on in life and you got to hurry out. We understand that. But for some people, that is their habit. Yeah. And they don't want to talk to anybody. And, and again, you don't get close. And you won't, when a, when a problem or a crisis comes up, you won't naturally think, I'm going to call a brother or sister in, in the church and, and they're going to, they're going to talk me through this. They're going to help me. You, you, you won't have that network. Uh, what you do is you reach your worldly friends, your worldly family, and they may give you all kinds of dumb advice. And, <laughs> and you don't have that network of godly people who are going to say, now remember, remember you're a Christian. Remember what God said. And that will keep you on track. So when we build these walls around us, it doesn't help us. Uh, what would be another way we should not do this? Well, expecting everybody else to go first. I, I think 
it is easy for some of us, maybe personality wise or, or or whatever it is. Well, I want that, but I'm going to wait for everybody else to take a step towards me. And I'm I'm not an apostle. We're not living two thousand years ago. But where we started in Acts chapter nine, that was not the approach of the man who would become the apostle Paul. Right? He looks to create those opportunities. Now he he needed some help in the form of Barnabas, right? And maybe we can talk about the power of being a a son or daughter of encouragement, but. Be the change you want to see. Give the gift of going first. If you want this, you're not the only one who wants this. And so don't spend all of 2024 waiting for someone else to take the first step. Yeah, I'm waiting for you to speak to me. I'm waiting for you to apologize. I'm, you know, I'm always, you know, you must take the first step. Well, that's, that's not what the Bible teaches in a lot of different avenues. So, you know, that's the negative. Let's flip this to the positive yeah. and, and let's talk about how can I make my connections better? What would be some suggestions? Yeah, well, out of that one another list that I had jotted down, the one that I would highlight is show hospitality to one another. Now, I, I realize as soon as I say that, some get in their minds, well, I've got to have someone in my home, and my home has to be a certain thing or look a certain way, and I have to have a kitchen table that looks a certain way and serve food a certain way. Get that idea out of your head. Show hospitality to one another can take on so many different forms. Everything from it's Sunday morning after our Bible classes. Hey, my family and I are going down the road to 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 eat some lunch. Would you all like to join us? Or uh, this Tuesday, I have a little bit of time. I'm. I enjoy coffee. Would you like to get together and and just share a cup of coffee? I would love the opportunity to get to know you better. In the context of our church family, we have, uh, thankfully, what we have called koinonia connections that uh, is freely available to all members of our church family. And all that you have to do is opt in and you're, you're paired with, if you're a man, you're paired with another brother in Christ. If you're a woman, you're paired with another sister, and you just go out and spend time together, time around a kitchen table or a restaurant table or a coffee table, whatever it is, looking each other in the eye, hearing each other's stories, smiling, just enjoying that time together. The stories, Roger, that has come out of that over the last seven or eight months is so encouraging. As people who have been in the same auditorium together for years, but have gotten the opportunity to get to know each other on a little deeper level, that's a one another connection. And and how often we've heard, I didn't know that about them. Yeah, yeah. I never knew he liked that. I never, you know, and, and just saying, hi, how are you in the building? That doesn't get that. You yeah. have to, you have to do that. Let me tell you a story that this took place years ago when I was preaching in Indianapolis. We had a lady one day visit and, uh, one of our members sat right behind her, a widow lady. And right after services, she asked this visitor if she'd like to go out to eat. She quickly apologized. No, no, she wouldn't do that. And she came back and she came back. Her husband came, multiple Bible studies. They were both baptized. 
And I remember this lady telling me when I was getting ready to baptize her, she said, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but it wasn't your sermon. <laughs> she goes, I was a member of, of another church in town for 25 years. I was a member there, and not one person ever invited me out. Wow. She goes, I go to your place one time, and someone asked me. She goes, I've never seen that before. That's powerful. It is powerful. And, and, and that's what we got put before us. You know, sometimes we, we think I, I've got to say the right thing and do the right thing. Just, just be yourself and be encouraging and inviting and helpful. And that makes a big thing. Uh, it's real easy in a congregation. This would be another layer I'd add to this just to kind of associate with those of your own age. We're, mm-hmm. we're going to have more in common with that. Okay. You're going to find those who like sports, like to talk about sports. Those who like cooking will talk about cooking, you know, that. But, but move out of that little circle. Um, associate with those younger than you are. Associate with those older than you are. And just, just kind of connect with everybody. Because if not, the church becomes segmented. We have this group. We have this group. We have a whole bunch of little subgroups. But not everybody really knows each other. And so one way we do that is purposely think, well, you know, here's this guy. I see him every Sunday, but I really don't know anything about him. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm going to just try to get to know him this year. I'm going to have him in my home or I'm going to go out to eat with him. I'm going to just get to know his story because all of us have a story. And just as you start unpacking those layers, you're going to find out, wow, we got a lot of things in common, or I didn't know that, or I'm, I'm real impressed about that. And, and those would be some things that would help you as we try to get the best of getting each other in the congregation. Yeah, there is such a rich fabric of experience and interests and talents in the life of just about any local church. And if we will take the time to get that one another mindset in, I mean, the the goal of this episode has not been to guilt me into, well, I've wasted a lot of time or I've thrown away a lot of opportunities. The entire idea of this Friday series in January is getting better. Getting better in 2024, getting better in our attitudes, now getting better in our local church connections. Nobody can do that for me, but if I, if I'll make that resolution, this will be a blessing to me and other people throughout 2024. Roger, I appreciate you walking through that with me. We're halfway home. We This is a four-part series, and so Lord willing, we've got two more subjects to tackle, but I love the idea, especially here first month of the year, getting better in 2024. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound podcast and the encouragement that you are in so many ways to us. We hope our conversation has helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.